Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh, pay dirt! Pay dirt! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Paydirt Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. And tomorrow evening at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC, the number 20 Penn State Nittany Lions go to visit the Horseshoe, not the Big House, the Horseshoe, to take on the number five Ohio State Buckeyes. So there is a lot to dive into on this Friday edition of Paydirt. We're very excited about the game tomorrow, and we understand how trepidatious so many Penn State fans are so we're going to dive into all those fuzzy feelings James Franklin had quite the week the PR week from hell I would call it so we're going to talk about a variety of sound bites that he had and then Matt's got a lot of points about just kind of what James Franklin means to Penn State University Uh, and then we're going to give you a full breakdown of this game what Ohio State's offense is really all about uh, the number one ranked total offense in FBS at the moment, what can Penn State do to stop them or limit them? And then Ohio State's defense, what does Penn State have to do uh, to beat this squad for the Buckeyes? So this is going to be a challenge. Penn State hoping to improve to six and three. This would be uh, quite the upset. So we're going to get into it. But before that, we are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your bonus from football basketball boxing right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait don't wait i don't want you to wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports the paydirt podcast is presented by bet online where the game starts So thank you all for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications for us here at Paydirt. And to all of you that tuned in to, I believe it was episode 13 this past Monday, my sincerest apologies for misidentifying Larry Johnson Sr.'s old position that he coached at Penn State. He coached the defensive line. Shout out to Dick Anderson. I sincerely apologize for misidentifying you and the work you did from 1999 to 2011 and then then i turn around and i'm like gosh who was also on the program in 2011 i'm like matt help me out a little bit (laughs) call me out i didn't even pick up on that dude (laughs) i I apologize i i I got lambasted by friends family and you know what in the end i just miss larry johnson senior what a guy you got to experience him i think correct yeah, uh, well, obviously I didn't play for Larry. Uh, you know, he Did you get to meet the, him. At he, any coached point? The, he coached the defensive line. <laughs> well, you were in the but, same yeah, building I mean, as him. Yeah, I, like I was there eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. I mean, mm-hmm. Larry was there for my whole entire career, and Bill Bill O'Brien kept him on the staff yeah, even after he ace. took over as the as the head coach. And it's just 
you know, his energy, his passion for the game, his players just, they rallied around him, right? It, it was like this, this own family within Penn State football that, that he had, you know, with his defensive lineman. Like, that's how close, you know, he was to that group, man. And, you know, every player, it seemed like, enjoyed playing for him. And now it seems like it's the same thing at yeah. Ohio State, man. It, it's he just, he, he's a special coach, man. Uh, he's a great person. Um, again, even though I didn't play for him, I didn't play that position. It was just, it was yeah. awesome to be around him because like you just, you got a sense of how good of a coach he was. And when I look back now that I'm not playing anymore, like, he's one of the guys you look at Tom and you say, that is how you coach football. That yeah. is how you treat players. That is how you grow uh, and help develop players. Yeah. So again, my bad. Sorry, Dick Anderson. And uh, we love you, Larry Johnson Sr. Also, I'm imagining a world where Matt McGloin plays D-tackle, and that would have been awesome. Never. Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about what an eventful week it was for head coach James Franklin. It just seemed like, Matt, a PR nightmare considering all that was made about you know, James Franklin. Oh, he changed his agent. And apparently that happened in the summer. But apparently he didn't pick up a publicist at any point because he really swung and missed, it seemed like, on Tuesday. And uh, I think I'm speaking for a lot of Penn State fans in that he continues to struggle with these questions about his future, whether it be the USC job, the LSU job, or just his overall commitment to Penn State. And he obviously gets very frustrated by it. And you can understand it because if in his heart of hearts, he means what he's saying, and he's just trying to be like, listen, I like it here. I'm staying. It, what was your takeaway from all of the sound bites Tuesday and Wednesday from James Franklin? Here's my thing right now, Tom, where, where I'm at with all of this. You know, I'm sorry to the people listening to this podcast right now that we have to talk about this because it's a distraction. You're playing mm -hmm. Ohio State. This is a game you look forward to all year as a Penn State player. And now you're dealing with this stuff for the past few weeks in the media. You know, it's just, it's such a distraction. You know, whether he's going to LS, LSU, going to USC, it seems like he's a front runner for the LSU now job, depending on where you look. Yeah. And like, so I went back and I was just looking over some stats throughout the years. I was looking at the job that he's done since he took the job in, in 2014. Right. And I was surprised by some of the numbers. I really was. So, since 2014, he's got 65 wins and that Big Ten title in 2016. If I asked you, Tom, who do you think has more wins in that time frame, Kirk Ferentz or James Franklin? What do you what do you think the answer is? Mm. That's like, tough, right? Yeah, because all the hype and everything like that, you would say James Franklin, right? Possibly. Right? Kirk Ferentz has 66 wins. And he's got a Big Ten championship appearance, which was in 2014, I believe. And he's gotten crushed by Penn State in the recruiting rankings since 2014. Mm -hmm. Pat Fitzgerald has 54 wins, two Big Ten championship appearances since 2018. And I bring that up because no one in the country could do the job that he does Ooh. every single year at Northwestern. Paul Christ has 60 wins since 2015. Right, he was at Pitt in 2014, which he won, which he uh, was six and six that year as head coach. So he's got 66 total wins since 2014, three Big Ten championship appearances. So I'm just, I, I, I go back, and the reason I bring this stuff up is because everybody's talking now about how he wants more money, or Penn State should give him more money, or he's going to get more money to go somewhere else. And like my whole thing was like, is this like the recruiting that we talk about? How great of a recruiter he is? Is it translating to wins as well as it should? 
And if your answer is no, then, then, then what leverage does he really have at Penn State right now to get a new contract or to make more money, right? I mean, since 2014, Ohio State has won five Big Ten titles. Michigan State and Penn State have the other ones. And I think what is happening is that Penn State like fans, every like we're hanging on to this Big Ten title that's happened five years ago now. Mm-hmm. And it happened because Joe Moorhead and that, that offense started to roll. Right. I mean, again, and a great, we, great personnel, great team. But no doubt. at the same yeah. time, Franklin wasn't entirely responsible for that roster. So. But, but this, that's, that's just what I'm saying. And I'm bringing up these numbers and numbers and recruiting. And you want to talk recruiting Michigan. Since Harbaugh's got there, five out of six years has had better recruiting classes than Penn State. Franklin's three and three in his career versus Harbaugh. He's won the last two. But right now, I don't think they can beat Michigan. He hasn't beat Ohio State in four years. He's lost to Iowa two years in a row now. Right. And again, you could say what you want about Sean Clifford. If he wasn't injured, would they have won that game? But guess what? They weren't prepared for him to not play in that football game in that moment. They had no plan when their starter came out. So you want to talk recruiting production. There it is right there. I mean, those are just the numbers. So, I mean, I don't think he deserves the leverage he has is basically that's basically what I'm saying, Tom. Yeah. And the thing that bothers a lot of Penn State fans is, okay, win the big game. And I have talked about it since the beginning of this podcast, losing to Ohio State at home in 2018, that Dwayne Haskins led team comes back and beats you at Beaver Stadium. And then you get the infamous, we've been a good program. We've been a great program. We're not an elite program. Okay. Clock's ticking. Okay. And even back at his Vanderbilt days, which is what got him the job at Penn State, Yes, he went six and six, and then he had two nine win seasons, and he went to bowl games every single year, which is astonishing for the Vanderbilt Commodores, who are threatening to climb out of the cellar just about every season in the SEC. So, yes, you give merit to those things. However, it wasn't like Vanderbilt was bowing up and dethroning SEC champions left and right. It was like, no, they were getting quality wins, maybe in down years ultimately in the SEC. So, the frustration is when are you going to win these big games? And then this season alone, well, you just lost one against Iowa at Iowa. Granted, you understand Sean going out, but the big games thus far this season, okay, Wisconsin, that felt good. Auburn, that felt good. But at this point in the season, we know what those teams are, right? Now you're marching into the horseshoe to play Ohio State, which looks like Ohio State that we all know. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a really uphill climb, and, and it doesn't get any better from there. As you mentioned, Michigan's still on the schedule. Michigan State's still on the schedule. What is it going to look like for James Franklin's resume if this season ends at worst 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and five, and as this guy predicted, 8-4, and four, and then all of a sudden you've got a 4-5 and five season followed by any one of those potential records, and then you're out on the job market. Let's say he is. Maybe he isn't. Who knows? But how attractive is that record? It's I, I'm with you. I don't know what the That's leg is like, to stand on. I, I just again, dude, like whatever. Like th- I, I, those are those are the stats that we just read off, right? Those are facts. You know, you know what I mean? And like, I just wanted to point that stuff out because everybody's pointing to the fact that he's hired Jimmy Sexton now, who reps Jimbo and Nick Saban and Dan Mullen and Kirby Smart, and, and you know what I mean, and, and, and a lot of those SEC coaches. So it's like, oh, he must be going to LSU. He must be pairing to go to LSU. And it's like, would you put him in that category? Do you think he deserves that type of money that Jimbo's getting or, or Nick Saban's getting or, or Dabble's getting? I mean, those guys won national titles. No, and it's funny you mentioned Jimbo because you and I have talked about this in terms of, okay, how do you feel that question of, hey, are you interested in the USC job? Jimbo had the same question in recent weeks about the LSU job. 
And boy, did he knock it out of the park. Even if he was lying, he understands the assignment of like, hey, lie for longer, lie really well. <laughs> He's, right, yeah, but his yeah. answer sounded genuine that he was like, I love it here. I have a farm. My family's happy. I'm making tons of money. I've got a long contract. I want to be an Aggie. And it's like, great. Problem solved. Look what Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers did. And he drove it into the ground to the point that you're scared to ask him again. Yeah. That's, that's how you handle it. And it just seems like when these situations come up, his his inaccuracy, it seems like, in answering the question is what's driving Penn State fans nuts because it's it's this weird thing for Penn State fans. And you experienced it. You were at the 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 very fault line of it all. Joe Paterno for decades. We had no question of who the guy was. And even in the last 10 years of Joe's time as head coach, there were questions, uh, is he out of touch or whatever? But those went away because he would win big games. And then obviously things played out the way they did. But Bill O'Brien came in and then he was gone overnight. And this is a fan base that's like, well, are, are you staying or are you going? It, it feels like they're a little bit hurt. Yeah. And again, dude, I went back and just looked at all all those stats throughout the years. And it's just it just feels like it's about him at this point. When your team still has five games left to play and you're playing one of the biggest games this season. Like, you know what I mean? So that that's just, you know, it's it's a distraction. That's all, Tom. You know, again, and to the fans listening, it sucks that we have to talk about this. It, it, you know, it, it yeah. sucks. Yeah, um, but it's been in the news all week. And uh, another thing that came out of practice, especially on Wednesday, Nate Bauer was reporting this from Blue White Illustrated. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. So on this day's edition of the Blue White Illustrated Daily Podcast, saying that at the time when media was able to be at practice, Taquan Roberson, according to Bauer, was not at practice. Franklin then said that uh, Roberson, quote, had practiced that week. So who knows what could have been happening, whether or not Roberson was just, hey, maybe he sustained an injury and he was just sitting out for a practice period. Who knows? Maybe there's a riff and you would maybe understand that considering everything that happened between Iowa and Illinois. So that makes you a little bit concerned considering you're heading into Ohio State. And despite James Franklin saying, quote, Sean Clifford is 100 percent for Ohio State. You and I both saw the game against Illinois, as did 100,000-plus in Beaver Stadium. John Clifford didn't look 100%. I mean, what, at what point do we expect him to even be fully healthy this season? No, and I don't know if you get fully healthy right now because you have to continue to play, right? That that was our whole thing, Tom, right? You know, he, if he wasn't 100%, he should have he should have sat. He should have rested. I still think you probably could have got by with a healthy quarterback, with a healthy backup quarterback. But, look, it is what it is at this point. You know, you're putting a lot more pressure on Sean Clifford now. He's going to be spending a lot more time at the facility now because he's got to be in the training room. He's got to be trying to get healthy as best as he can. He's got to be practicing. So, you know, he's got a lot on his plate right now. And again, I mean, you know, that's why you play the game. You know, we're we're, we're, we're going to find yeah. out. We're going to find out exactly where he's at early in this football game. So let's get started with the vaunted Ohio State defense as we look ahead at this game coming up uh, tomorrow evening, as I mentioned, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC, number 20 visits number five. So much has been made of redshirt freshman quarterback C.J. Stroud. I remember early in the season he was listed as a preseason Heisman hopeful, and I was genuinely surprised by that. Mm -hmm. You know, you understand that, okay, the brand attached to his name often inflates that, and the same thing was attached to uh, Bryce Young of Alabama. But 
both those quarterbacks seem to kind of be living up to the hype. C.J. Stroud, as of right now, is tied for seventh in FBS in terms of most patch, passing touchdowns with 22. He really seems to be coming into his own. He's a very accurate passer, and it seems that he fits right into the mold of what Ohio State quarterbacks have been for the 15 years, so the last 15 years that I can remember. It's like, hey, guys that are mobile, they can hurt you a little bit with their legs. Dwayne Haskins was probably the exception, but guys that can hurt you with their legs and that are also just quick and efficient passers. What do you see in Stroud when you turn on the tape? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, Ryan Day has done a fantastic job yes. giving him great play calls, right? And just being able to operate a game plan Ryan Day, that is from the sideline. It's just giving CJ Stroud all the answers. You know, I watched when you watch that Indiana game, like the first drive, it was boot, boot, outside zone, boot again. And the next time you're in outside zone, you've got DNs and linebackers just sitting and settling, and it's creating great running lanes because now they're all thinking about it, right? And it's just for me, I'm watching that. I'm like, man, that's such a good job just setting the run up because now you're bringing two guys away. They're looking at Stroud who doesn't have the football. Meanwhile, you know, Travion Henderson is running for eight to 12 yards every time they do that. But he does such a good job of just setting plays up. Tom, they expose man coverage when they get it, you know. So and we've talked about talent wise. Penn State is probably the team to match up with with these wide receivers. But they just they need to be careful playing man Saturday night. And that's not saying that they can't do it. Right. Because, again, their secondary matches up better than anybody else in the Big Ten against these wide receivers, I think. But across the board. Olave, Wilson, Smith and Jigba, Rucker. Those are tough matchups to play man consistently, right? You can't let CJ Stroud see that all day. I think it has to be in the right situation to play man, and it has to have some type of blitz or pressure in front of it. Get physical with these wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. Don't let them get off clean. Don't let them think it's routes versus air, right? Give them some trouble. I think you saw too many times you saw Indiana just reacting to their routes, right? Give them a good jam. Make them work, even if it takes just a second. And I think in terms of the secondary, Tom, you know, you got to remember for how good C.J. Stroud has played, he's still a young player. Force him to see coverage post-snap, change up the fronts, bring pressure, give him exotic looks. You can't give him that four-man rush, clean pocket, because when he stays on time and he stays on rhythm, he plays like a fifth-year senior. Does it give you any positivity in that there is significant depth uh, to the Penn State secondary? Uh, secondary? We've talked about how Daquan Hardy has really come on. You can also get Jonathan Sutherland and uh, Keaton Ellis out there, Tyler Rudolph. There's a lot of guys that seem to be cycling in. Do you think that matches up well? Isn't it funny that Olave seemed like the guy last year, and now it's just he's one of many yeah. scary weapons? Like That's that's difficult. That's the thing, too. And, they, and Penn State, again, they match up well, Tom, but like even with that, like I, I don't care how great you are in the secondary. If he's got four seconds, four and a half seconds to throw the football, eventually things are going to break down. It doesn't matter who's back there, right? You know, so I think something that goes unnoticed that they do really well is like when this kid breaks contain, he breaks the pocket. They create better than anybody in the Big Ten. Just backyard football, guys getting open, guys pushing to the sideline. I mean, he remains a passer throughout the entire down. So, I mean, I think what's important for this Penn State front seven, don't let him break contain. You know, try to keep him in the pocket and get pressure in his face as often as you can. I mean, it's it's the wide receiver versus secondary matchup is going to be fantastic. I can't wait to see it. But if they can't get pressure and they give him time to throw the football, Tom maybe in for some trouble. 
the elephant in the room is what happened last week against Illinois in giving up 357 yards rushing to a team that at the time was two and five and just didn't seem like they were going to hurt you. Um, and then you've seen this week on tape that or you've heard this week, excuse me, that James Franklin said, quote, uh, we weren't prepared for the looks that Illinois was giving us on the field on, on Saturday and that we didn't see that on tape. And that seems like something that Brett Bielema has been doing forever at a, a variety of different schools in terms of nine guys on the line of scrimmage and an ace back. Like that's hell. You run that Madden for crying out loud. So you're frustrated by that. But at the same time, the positive to take away and Franklin brought this up is that Penn state in regulation only gave up 10 points. So it's this weird, bittersweet. I, I just don't see it necessarily going that way in terms of a boatload of rushing yards and very few points against Ohio State. What do you think? Yeah, no, look, Penn State has been fantastic in the red zone, right? They they take a lot of pride in that area of the field, not letting you score touchdowns. They've done a great job with that. But this, this isn't Illinois in the red zone you're playing this week. This isn't Wisconsin that you're playing this week. This isn't Iowa that you're playing this week. I mean, this team has a variety of weapons they can use at any point in time. And you're talking about the running backs, Tom. I mean, they use their running backs out of the backfield in the pass game. Fantastic mm -hmm. as well. And it's like Travion Henderson is overshadowed by all of these guys. You forget he's one of the best running backs in the big 10, right? They still have master Teague who is yeah. doing some really good things for them in the last few years. No, like again, Tom, there's no shortage of talent, but I think, yeah, you're right. First and foremost, you, you got You got to be able to stop the run on Saturday night. And again, like you're not like you, you weren't prepared for it, whatever Illinois was doing to you. I mean, you got to make adjustments then because you got, you got to think Ohio State's going to throw something at you that you're not ready for. Based on what you saw in the game against Illinois, P.J. Mustafer obviously no longer a part of the defense. He's injured. He's lost for the season. It's resulted in a lot of guys having to step up. You have your consistent guys in terms of Epichetti, Lucetta, and uh, Tangelo in terms of, okay, these are three guys that are going to rotate in consistently, but there's not that usual depth. You're still seeing a lot of guys get into the game, but they're not necessarily performing. Do you see that group maybe having success against this offensive line of, of of Ohio State this is a pretty good offensive line all things considered yeah it's a really good offensive line yeah look they should be able to right that front seven is great there's a lot of talented guys I just think they got that they got lost a few times right forgot responsibilities there was no gap contained you know Illinois found something they stuck with it they continued to expose it Penn State didn't adjust to it that's what happens can't, it can't happen. If something's happening in one drive, you need to go to the sideline, make the adjustment. What are we doing to correct it? Got to be able to communicate. Got to be able to figure it out. Like you, you can't let a problem continue to be a problem as you go yeah. forward in a football game time. Ohio State averages 49 points a game. That is fifth in the country. Now, granted, that's skewed a bit. If you look at their schedule, they haven't really faced – Fabulous competition. There was the loss, obviously, to Oregon earlier in the season, but just about everybody else are games that they should have won by huge margins. The Minnesota game, clearly the open the season, was probably an outlier, and they even still won that one. Penn State defensively only gives up roughly 14 points a game. That is six in the country. So strength on strength when it comes to the Ohio State offense against the Penn State defense. Very curious to see how that goes. On the other side... What does the Ohio State defense do that could potentially be a problem for Sean Clifford and company? I think their front four has done a pretty good job of getting after the quarterback. 
you know, especially the past two weeks against that Maryland game and then and the Indiana game. And I'm just talking the past few weeks because they've gotten significantly better, you know, since what we saw in the beginning of the season where defense was a major concern for them. So got to be able to protect the quarterback this week. And it go, and I mentioned got to be able to protect the quarterback because how healthy is number 14? Has he recovered? Can you go back to a full game plan this week, Tom? And if you can, I mean, this is where I think RPOs, that run pass option that Penn State loves to do, those quick hitters, those slant routes, I think they should be good this week versus those running backs. Take the free access throws you have. I like the idea of being able to put put drives together this week. I know Penn State has a ton of explosive weapons offensively, but don't try to go score for score with this team right now. I think Ohio State is too dangerous to play that game. Um, one of the big things that I saw that that showed up versus their one high looks, their one high zone looks, go back to those deep crossing concepts. Penn State used that a ton throughout the season. They didn't use it a lot last week versus Illinois. Uh, Ohio State has trouble uh, covering that deep cross route and that concept. You can see a ton of examples of it in that Maryland-Indiana game. I think tight ends should have a big day too, Tom. I think the, the linebackers are a liability for them in coverage. You know, And just don't get too gimmicky. Right. Be careful with the reverses and plays like that. You, you got to stay ahead of the chains, win first down. That's going to be huge for this Penn State offense. 13 players for Ohio State have recorded at least half a sack. So, mm -hmm. yes, Sean Clifford mm -hmm. is going to be feeling some pressure. I sincerely doubt that he is close to 100 percent considering what we saw against Illinois. So hopefully he gets the ball out quickly. Change the pocket. Right. You're getting pressure. You're standing in the pocket. Change the pocket. Sprint outs boots, half rolls, quick game, wide receiver screens, change the pocket. Not, like Nothing upsets defensive linemen, linebackers that rush more than when you catch the ball as a quarterback and you get rid of it within a second for five yards, seven yards, or a first down, right? Because they're rushing, 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 using all their energy. You're catching the ball, you're getting it right out of your hand. So change it up a little bit. Don't just continue to keep them stationary. You know, but the, the, there's going to be opportunities there, Tom. Even when you look at these safeties, right, Bryson Shaw and, and Hickman for Ohio State, man, they like to make they like to make plays in the run game, right? They, and they played low to begin with, you know. And who knows? Maybe they start to play with a little depth because of Penn State's run struggles. But you know, for some of the things that I saw, I think play action could be big for Penn State. I'd like to see them go back to that um, Saturday night. And if you're going to run play action, you've got to have the threat of the running game. So, again, much like on the defensive side of the ball, the running game was the bane of Penn State's existence. It's the same thing on the offense. And from you know listening to our friends at Blue White Illustrated, it sounded like there was a lot more screaming and yelling on the defensive side uh, in terms of uh, getting after the ball carrier and, and playing the run. What does Penn State have to do in terms of executing along the offensive line to actually be able to move the ball or kind of like I lobbied for on this past Monday's episode, do they abandon the running game? I think you try to find the run early. And if it's not there, Tom, then yeah, I think you abandon it, right? Spread them out, try to get good, clean boxes to run the football. And if you can't, you have to have some type of option in there. That's something that Maryland did. I thought Maryland had a pretty good game plan early on, right? They had some success attacking the outside. They went to the screen games early on. You know, he was running repass options. So if he had, you know, a six-man or seven-man box, he was throwing the bubble or he was throwing that one-step flat route with the outside wide receivers blocking. They were picking up good yardage by doing that. You know, and if you look at that game, right, they they they, they moved the ball. They got in the red zone a few times. They had a chance. They were on the five-yard line before the half to make it 28-17. He took a brutal sack on a fourth and four 
Next thing you know, Ohio State goes right down the field, 35-10. Next thing you know, Ohio State gets the ball to start the second half. It's 42-10 before you even get the football back. So, like, you know, what I'm saying is, like, you just you have to be careful in situational football. You have to be careful in your decision-making, right? Sometimes, if you're Penn State's offense, like, it's, like, the risk to go for it on fourth down or taking chances in crucial situations may not be worth it. When you were playing for Penn State, and, and especially in the pros, you know what it's like to experience difficult stretches where it's consecutive losses or even just consecutive difficult games. Mentally, where do you think these Penn State players are at, and how is it that they need to be approaching this game on the road, hostile environment, prime time? This is a huge game. Everything needs to be kept in-house right now, Tom. Right, You should not be paying attention to anything outside of the facility right now. That was like one of our, our models that, that one of our models that we used during that 2012 season was uh, ignore the noise, right? Nothing outside that facility matters right now. You know, the type of team you are. Yeah. You've lost two in a row, but you know, the talent you have, the work you have, what type of team you can be. I mean, nothing for this Penn state team would be better than you to go out and play spoiler in the horseshoe and, and get a win there. You know, and, and I, I think the last thing too, Tom, is you can't go into a shell either, right? You can't go out there and start second guessing yourself. You can't go out there and think, well, you know, I made a couple of bad plays versus Iowa. I don't want to try to make that play again. Or look at what happened last week against the run versus Illinois. Maybe I should do this. Like, don't think. We talk about it all the time. Like it's a reaction game. Go play, react, trust your preparation. Know that your preparation will lead you in this football game. And it was very clear in the game against Illinois, and you pointed it out perfectly, is that Sean Clifford, because of the injuries, was not reacting. He was thinking. He was trying to stay upright. There were instances where he was trying to remind himself, oh, yeah, don't get hit. Don't run. You got to be careful there. Um, considering the news that came out of Wednesday that, oh, Taquan Roberson wasn't there. Again, we don't know his mental state, whether or not he is genuinely frustrated with the program, and rightfully so, or maybe he has an injury. Do you find that alarming considering what could happen? Not, nothing against Christian Veyu, but obviously has not played in an FBS game at this point. And considering Sean Clifford's health, that is a real possibility that number nine gets into the game if things go south with Sean Clifford. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously we're going to have to see how that, how that plays out moving forward, but, I mean, it doesn't look good. You know, for the, for the backup quarterback situation at Penn State right now, if, if Roberson – isn't there i mean this is other than clifford the only guy that's actually played right yeah it's just it's a tough situation to be in yeah it's it's not good um maybe that's why you know they're saying sean clifford is going to be 100 percent because they don't, they don't have any other option right now yeah and frankly a lot lies on sean clifford if he has a big game if he's able to stay clean in the pocket and be consistent throwing the football Penn State has a chance. And that's, that's the thing, too, Tom. Like, we're talking a little bit about the run game now. Like, is it going to be a modified game plan once again? Are you going to have to continue to try to run the ball to, to keep the ball, right? And they try to, get like, slowly get yards and slowly march down the field. I mean, look, I think if you're going to do that, I, I take a page out of Ohio State's book this week then. Ohio State loves running that outside zone, that stretch play. I think Penn State does that. Outside zone stretch plays. I mentioned those safeties are are downhill guys in the run game they'll play one high zone they'll they'll bring a safety all the way down almost linebacker level right give them some options you know let them check away run away from rotation versus one high i mean i mean that's a good option for them 
but we'll see. I mean, I, I'd love to be able to see Sean Clifford cut it loose Saturday night. Yeah, uh, all the best in terms of his hope, uh, there's, uh, in terms of his health, excuse me. There's a chance that this game plan overall kind of looks like what the Iowa Hawkeyes did against Penn State, and that it's, hey, play the field position game. You don't have to do Nothing anything wrong with stellar yeah. on offense. Take what the defense gives you, and then your own defense has to play lights out. And we know Penn State's defense can do that. They've done that this thus far this season. There are some encouraging things. A lot has to mm-hmm. happen, but... Never say never, especially in the Big Ten. So we'll see what plays out. So again, the game is tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC Penn State at Ohio State. Thank you for liking us, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications. We will have a full reaction to this game on Monday morning. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Pater. Oh, Pater! Pater! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.